Season's greetings and welcome to a new episode of Only Ghosts and Horses with the two Plonkers, Bread Roll and JT. Hello everyone and yes, season's greetings indeed and this week we do actually have a Christmas special. It's uh, series two um, and it's Diamonds Are for Heather and it's aired on the 30th of December 1982, so a little bit after Christmas. Obviously Only Fools wasn't really in its peak at this point so they weren't getting primetime Christmas Day shows at the moment. Um, and apparently this had 9.3 million viewers. Now, this was pulled from a fairly unreliable source on the internet. I can't remember where I got it from. It wasn't Wiki or anywhere like that. But 9.3 million, so a little dip from last week's episode, Bread Roll. Yeah, yeah, it's still pretty good numbers, though, considering, like I say, it came out just after Christmas, and the Christmas specials hadn't really become a thing. Obviously, we know they became feature length as time went on and were something you'd all gather around to watch. But considering Christmas TV back in the day when you only had three channels, it's probably a bit competitive. There's probably some more alluring things to watch, really. But um, still pretty good numbers, I think. Yeah, probably the circus. That's what Rodney was moaning about in the last Christmas special we looked at. Um, I can't true. remember. I mean, I was around in 1982. I was young, but I fuck knows what was on TV back then. But I imagine it was shite. I was probably playing with my toys when this was on anyway. Um, I think yeah. this is probably... The episode I've seen the least amount of times, not because I don't particularly like it or anything. It's just never seems to be on TV. And obviously, series two isn't a go to series for me to put the DVD on or anything. So I wouldn't say I wasn't familiar with the episode when I watched it earlier, but it's probably one I've seen the least amount of times. I don't know about yourself. Do you know what? I actually have a bit of a confession to make because I'd completely forgotten this episode existed. Obviously, when it started, I was like, oh, fuck me, this episode. But Oh, I don't know why, just looking at the back of the DVD case, I was looking at the name of it, and oh, for some reason in my head, it was another episode that will be coming up shortly when we look at Series 3, where Del meets some tart who owns an um, antique shop and he tries to sell oh, her yeah. a Queen Anne cabinet. For some reason, I thought it was that. And when it started, I was like, bloody hell, i completely forgotten about this episode. And it's a strange episode, actually, because obviously it is funny, it's got its moments in it, but it's kind of serious at the same time. It's a bit more like an actual drama episode, because we really get an insight... Um, a bit more into Dell in this one, don't we? It's very much his episode in this one and him sort of like seeing all the things that maybe he could have had or, you know, probably didn't get a chance to have because obviously their dad left, their mum died and he had to raise Rodney. So it's more of a drama piece and I, uh, comedy, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. I agree. And I, I mean, what was it? Series two, the last official episode we reviewed last week. I think that aired just, I think it's about the 2nd of December. So this obviously was a few weeks after. So it is pretty much a standalone episode. I mean, they are all pretty much standalone in the first couple of series anyway, but this obviously was a few weeks after the series had officially finished. And yeah, I know what you mean. It it doesn't really flow with the sort of what we've been getting used to with the Only Fools and sort of the first two series. I mean, the idea for this script was to demonstrate Dale's love for children and that he could actually be a family man. And that comes across definitely in this episode. 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And just a moment there. Apologies for anyone if you hear any strange noises. My cat's climbing back into an Amazon box at the moment. So <laughs> she, she came out to say hello. Now she's gone back in. So if you hear any crinkling in the background, it's my cat. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It does show the kind of the softer, gentler side of Dell, doesn't it? Like normally we know he's obviously all full of front and bullshit, basically. Um, but deep down, he is a really decent guy. And you do get that tenderness from him later on. Like when he meets Raquel, obviously quite far down the line now and has Damien, you do see he's a bit of a sweetheart at heart, really, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's, he's all front and bullshit, really. But he's got a heart of gold, hasn't he? Certainly to, I mean, we've said it before, his family and friends, possibly not Boise, um, but certainly his close friends. I mean, Boise apparently is his closest friend, according to Boise. They all might argue with that. But yeah, he, he's a little softy, really, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Should we, um, you good to run through the old uh, synopsis there then, JT? I am indeed, Red Roll. It's another quite short one again, actually. Um, but yeah, I'll run it. It's pulled from Wikipedia, as always. Um, but yeah, it looks fairly accurate. Having a quick skim through it. So here we go. On a November evening at the Nag's Head, Del Boy is drowning his sorrows due to his loneliness and cheers himself up by ordering a mariachi band to sing Old Shep. I will just point out that he's also with Grandad and Rodney in the pub. He's not on his own, Drowning in Sorrows. He also meets a beautiful woman named Heather, who seems to be one friend short of company. Dell, ever the gentleman, entertains her and sees her home safely. When he brings her back, when he brings her back to her flat, Dell discovers that Heather has a young son named Darren, aged three and a half, and a husband named Vic, who joined a very long queue at the job centre 18 months earlier and never returned. Over the next six weeks, Dell and Heather's romance blossoms. Dell gets along well with Darren and all is running so smoothly that with Christmas imminent, Dell decides to propose to Heather, even if it means moving away from Rodney and Grandad. However, at a candlelit dinner, Heather refuses Dell's proposal because her husband Vic wrote to her one week earlier and is now living in Southampton, working as a department store father Christmas. He also wants to give his marriage with Heather a second chance by asking her and Darren to move in with him. Heather says she never knew Dale felt so strongly for her, and she sees him like a brother. Heather then says goodbye to Dale. He manages to cheer himself up by asking a group of carol singers to sing Old Shep. So yeah, fairly short synopsis, but again, it wraps it all up fairly nicely. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. One thing there that is a bit strange, though, um, and I thought it earlier, so I'll jump to it. Um, obviously, their, their relationship blossoms quite well, and she does come across as quite a nice woman in this one. She's not someone who's like a lunatic or a psycho like some of the other people we've seen him date up to this point. Um, but her then saying like, oh, he sees um, she sees Dell like a brother. It's like, well, you've been kissing and cuddling and doing all kinds of stuff. So I'm not sure, you know, brotherly relationships are like in that household. But I think, you know, it's a bit of a bullshit line to obviously, I know it's obviously written and everything, but a bit of a bullshit line to pull on Dell considering they have been dating properly for a little while. Yeah, that's that's kind of like the typical, it's not you, it's me line, isn't it? Almost. I do like the way um, she says she loves him like a brother. She feels for him the same way he feels for Rodney. And Dale turns around and says, oh, and I thought you liked me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good line, that one. Um, it's weird, though, because it's a uh, Christmas episode, and it is set over Christmas, but it doesn't really overplay the Christmas vibe, does it? It's not like down your throat. There's not like Christmas decorations anywhere. In fact, unless you got told it was set at Christmas, because when in the pub at the start, I think a few people have like those like hats on from the crackers. Then we don't even see a Christmas tree until, ha you know, about halfway through in the background in their flat, they've got one. And then other, other than the carol singers and stuff, there isn't like Christmassy vibes all over this episode. 
I've got exactly the same thing here, Brad Roll. Um, it's not a Christmas episode. If it wasn't for the fact that she mentions Vic going to work as a father for Christmas and the carol singers, you'd be hard pushed, really. Like I say, there's a couple of pointers here and there. Um, I don't think they are wearing Christmas hats at the start. I can't remember because that's set six weeks before Christmas. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really not a Christmas episode, is it? And it certainly hasn't got Christmas cheer either, has it? It's quite a depressing episode, really. It is. It's very much like some out of Dickens times, really. Um, yeah. And another thing, um, when we see them in the in the pub, uh, obviously Rodney's wearing his praying mantis outfit. Dale was in just a pretty, for once, a bit of a nondescript suit. I mean, he looks obviously he's dressed up and everything, but he's not wearing anything overly swanky. But it's another rare occasion where we see Granddad wearing a suit, although he's still got his dopey scarf on and like a, it's, you can see it under like his napkin because we're having a meal or whatever. But um, yeah, it's like one of the, I think the only second time we've seen Granddad wear anything that isn't his bloody pajamas. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I've actually got here, Rodney's got his praying mantis suit on again. He hasn't worn it for a couple of weeks, so he had to pull it out for the Christmas special, I guess. Um, but when they're in the pub and uh, trying to cheer Dale up, aren't they? And Rodney says, let's have a, a sing song. Dale's like, yeah, yeah, go on then. And Rodney starts singing. He looks like a right plonker because everyone just sits there and looks at him and he's just singing away to himself, isn't he? Yeah, because he's like, all oh, together now. And this sort of starts <laughs> like <laughs> Another thing as well, like Dell goes up uh, to the bar to get like some wine, and he comes back like this really fancy like jug. I don't know what it's supposed to be, like some kind of like badass looking, I don't know, porcelain or something like that. But it's like, when the fuck do you go to a pub and order some wine and they give you it in that? <laughs> I know this is a long time ago, but this is the nag Z we're talking about. Yeah, I think it's probably sangria or something because it's like a I don't know if it's a Spanish night. There's obviously the mariachi Mexican band in there, but I think it's kind of a, a theme night maybe because he pours out and a lemon falls out of it. I think so. It's some kind of fucking weird punchy type thing, I guess. I do like the way as well when Dell goes over to uh, chat up Heather. He does his usual catchphrase or his usual line. Ah, oh, Heather, that's one of my most favourite names. He's got so many fucking favourite names, hasn't he? Yeah, I know, every name's his favourite name. And another thing as well, like he's chatting to Heather and he's like, oh, I know a little nightclub, we should go on to that. And once again, it's Dell, and he's obviously been drinking already, the sangria, as you pointed out. Now he's on about going to a nightclub and obviously he's going to booze it up there. And then he's like, but I can drive you home. So how yeah. drunk is Dell when he drives around all the time? <laughs> I've got that in my notes, yeah. Like you say, he's drinking in the nags head. Then they go to a club and, you know, Dell's not going to go to the club and drink water or lemonade, is he? And then... They get back to a flat, and the first thing she does is open a bottle of wine and starts pouring him another drink. And the poor bloke's got to drive home as well. Yeah, he ain't um, shy of making a move, though, is he? Because they go into the flat, and she's pouring the wine, and he goes right up behind her, puts his arms around her waist, and he's like kissing her neck and nuzzling into her and stuff. And it's like, all right, steady on, Dell. Yeah, I guess we don't know what happened in the club. But even um, before that, in the nag's head, before he's even kind of pulled her, he's right up against her, and he's sort of like proper cheesing her up. He doesn't mess about, Dell. Yeah, yeah, well, fair play to him. He, he lives in the fast lane, doesn't he, old Del boy? I've got to admit, the um, the line he comes out with, because I, I thought to myself, well, that's probably, like, true today, because she's saying about, like, Vic. Um, he went down to job centre, and um, that was 18 months ago, and she hasn't seen him since. And he's like, oh, well, with the queue at the job centre, he's probably still down there. But, yeah, <laughs> that's probably so, I don't think that's ever changed, really. No. Speaking of cats, bread roll, mine is now outside meowing. So we've got a full-on cat episode tonight. Um, so, yeah, apologies if you can hear her going mad. Yeah, um, I do cats. like um, Brian, the old babysitter, when he goes back to Heather's flat. He's fucking about 12 foot tall. I mean, obviously, <laughs> we say this all the time, we compare people to Dell, but he, he is definitely tall. Apparently, he was also in Superman 2 and Ali G in the house, the guy who plays him. 
who I believe his real name is Robert Bryer, uh, Roger Brierley. So there we go. He only had small parts in both films. He's been in quite a few things actually. Oh, fair play. I didn't. I've seen both movies, um, but I don't recognise him from there. But yeah, you're right. He is a tall bloke. He's fucking he's massive, isn't he? But then David Jason, like you say, is a short guy. But man, this guy like has to like bend down to get out the door, doesn't he? Because at first, Dell thinks that's her husband. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, she says, um, "Old Heather, oh yeah, that's Brian, the babysitter," and then sort of introduces him. He's um, he's going back to uni, obviously, um, as a mature student. And then he says, oh, "I'm going to go downstairs and do some studying." What fucking time is it? It's like they've been to a club, and he's going to go downstairs and start studying. Does he ever sleep, this guy? Yeah, right. Like, yeah, it must be like two, three in the morning, and they're coming back from a nightclub. Well, you'd think so. I mean, it's obviously the 80s, but even so, he's like, yeah, I'm casually going to go downstairs and study now. Yeah, I probably might sleep one day. You never know. Yeah, and Dell, <laughs> we don't see them, but he's like, when he says to Heather, um, oh, I need to go, because I've got to go tomorrow and pick up a consignment of fire-damaged walks. And it's just <laughs> typical Dell buying some fucking shit. I mean, granted, he obviously says, oh, I'll come and find you um, about lunchtime tomorrow and take you and, you and your son out, which is obviously nice of him, but fucking fire-damaged walks. They just get worse, don't they? His bloody... His, business making yeah. enterprises they do i mean obviously like i say we don't see them but that's a weird thing i don't know if dell's trying to pretend he doesn't live there or whether it's just a bit weird he says i've got to go to peckham tomorrow to pick up some fire damaged walks it's like you live in fucking peckham you wouldn't be going there that's where you live i thought that's a bit weird the way he said that yeah because they don't really play into the fact like he's trying to hide his background which obviously rodney does later on in a really classic scene when he first meets Cassandra. So, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Maybe it's just one of those random slip-ups of the lines or not really thinking it through. But, yeah, you're right. It wouldn't yeah. have made sense for him to say that. No, I just thought a bit weird. It sounded like he was going out of his way to go to Peckham. It's like, well, you live there. But anyway, small point. But um, we get another montage in this one, don't we, of um, Dale and Heather going around London on a few sites and everything. But at least it's not stop motion like the couple we've seen so far. This one's actually pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, actually. And it was showing up them having a nice day out or several days. I couldn't actually keep up with, was it supposed to just be that one day out that they went on? Because they went to quite a few places or just over time. I imagine it's over time. But um, one bit that did make me laugh is they go to the zoo and they, um, they're looking at like the marmoset monkeys. And you don't actually see what it's going to do, but they sort of reaction they have is like, oh, it's obviously a monkey having a wank or something, which is fairly <laughs> typical of the species. <laughs> yeah, he puts his hands over a Darren's eyes, doesn't he? Um, I think it's, it says it's over the course of six weeks. That came from Wiki, but I do actually think when um, Dale was playing football with Darren, where Dale looks genuinely happy, doesn't he? David Jason, obviously, as a character, they're playing football, and this is the first time we've really, well, I think we've really seen Dale look happy and sort of, you know, in his element almost playing football with Darren. But I think Rodney does mention the granddad something about it's been six weeks now. So it is over a course of a few weeks. But again, typical Dale Boy style. It's pretty quick to be pulling out a ring, in it, after just six weeks? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're right, David, Jason does play it really well because this is quite, um, as I said at the start, it's quite a Dale-centric one. Like Grandad and Rodney kind of just play second fiddle in this episode. They're kind of just there as little fillers along the line. Um, but Grandad does come out of a cracking line here. And again, it's something you wouldn't get away with these days because Dale in his van, he's got... Um, uh, like he's put like words in, and he? so he's got Dell above the driver's seat, and he's got Heather on the right, like on mm. the left. Sorry, um, and Rodney's like, I wish you'd take these names off because people look at me funny when um, we're driving along, and I'm sat there with Heather above my head. And Grandad just turns around and goes, Oh, don't worry, Rodney, they probably just think you're a puff. And he just <laughs> didn't get a line like that these days, even though it is meant to be good fun and a bit of comedy. 
Yeah, no, you wouldn't get away with that at all these days. But um, one thing as well, when um, they go back to the flat and Dale says about, you know, he's, he's moving on now with Heather and he thinks he's, he's going to pop the question and possibly move in with her. For once, Grandad and Rodney both seem to like her, don't they? I mean, they've not liked anyone Dale's been with before. And until Raquel, they don't really like anyone after. But um, they, they seem quite keen on Heather, don't they? I mean, she seems like a nice woman. Yeah, no, she does. She does seem like a genuinely nice woman. And like he says to him, doesn't he? Like, Rodney, you don't mind Heather, do you? And he's like, no, no, she's a nice girl. Granddad, you don't mind, um, is it Darren or Daniel? Yeah, Darren. He's like, no, he's a, he's a nice little lad and stuff. And also, this is like the first time, I think, well, probably the only time that Dell actually discusses or consults Rodney and Granddad about his feelings and obviously aiming to get married because normally he just comes home like drunk as a fart and he's like, oh, I'm engaged to something, <laughs> something stupid like that. But he's actually... You can tell this means a lot to him because he's actually taken time to discuss it with them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's Dale, Dale Rodney or Grandad who says it's an off-the-peg family, isn't it? The kids are already there kind of thing. Because Grandad does kind of go back on his word a little bit when Dale says, oh, you like Darren? Yeah, he's a nice little kid. And then when Dale goes out of the room, he says something about him being a noisy little brat, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's done in um, a bit of comedy, isn't it? But um, one thing that made me laugh here, speaking of fashion, Rodney's got this, like, fucking hideous jumper on, but it's, like, the exact same kind of, like, um, pattern is the sofa he sat on, so he's kind of blended in the rigs. It's, like, blue on blue. I didn't notice that. Maybe I didn't even see Rodney, so he was blended in so well. And <laughs> before that, he's wearing his camo jacket, so obviously he doesn't want to be seen, that uh, Rodney. He's trying to be in disguise throughout this whole episode once he gets out of the praying madness suit. That's it, yeah. We said he was in the background. He's not really in this episode much. It's just because we couldn't see him. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, he's in it. He's the main <laughs> character. He just blends in too much. <laughs> I do like the way Dell as well. He takes old um, Heather to a, an Indian for to propose. I mean, that's typical Dell, and it go to a curry house. Nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying, just typical Dell boy who couldn't really go anywhere else. Maybe a Bernie in for a steak meal because that's one thing he does promise people a bit later on in the uh, series. And well, not this series, but you know what I mean in the saga. A steak meal is guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually one of the lines he uses on Raquel, his significant other, as she becomes. Um, but I do like the way he's kind of building it up. He goes, I'm going to take her out for a lovely meal. Bottle of this. He's like really building it up. He goes, it'll be the best curry she's ever had. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> Another thing here as well, like he gets an engagement ring and he gives it to her and stuff. And he's like, oh, I got it from my friend Abdul. And I thought, yeah, we've heard Abdul again. And he's another one of those characters that we hear about, but never really materialises on screen. Ah, now I've got that here, Breadwell. He does. He's um, into Hullenbach. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's... Of course he is. Yeah, he Abdul does. and Boise who pulled a diamond stunt. Because uh, I, I, yeah. I didn't realise when he says, oh, I got it from Abdul, he's um, got connections in Hatton Gardens. I was like, fuck me, that's Abdul from to Hullenbach. And we do actually see him. Um, that's coming up fair, well, not fairly soon, but that's the first ever feature-length episode they did to Hullenbach. Oh, fair. No, I knew we'd heard the name before and it did ring a bell. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. My bad. Um, but yeah, there we go. Another one of uh, one of Dell's run, running kind of like contacts that actually do materialise on screen then. I wonder if they um, actually knew that he was going to be in it or whether it was just a coincidence and John Sullivan sort of thought, oh, we've, we've mentioned this guy before. We'll bring him in. You know, he plays, I don't know. Obviously, that's way down the line, a few years away yet. I do like as well in the Indian restaurant when um, Dell orders fucking so much stuff, doesn't he? I mean, he always does. And he ends up with it pretty much on his own because obviously Heather leaves. But when the, the waiter's like, "What? which rice would you like? Have you got some Uncle Ben's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Dale, classy. 
Yeah, then he's like, oh, what rice do you have? And the guy lifts it up and goes, oh, can I have some pilo rice? Oh, can you take the feathers out of it, please? It's like, fucking <laughs> hell, <Dale. laughs> Yeah, I thought he was actually going to call it pillow rice, but yeah, he actually does call it pilo rice. But then, so I don't know if he's trying to be funny or whether he's actually confused as he normally is. But yeah, it's quite a good line that. He actually calls the waiter by, well, I don't know if it's his proper name, but he calls him Tony, doesn't he? Whereas normally he calls everyone John. Yeah, he calls someone else John in this episode. I think it's when ba- um, Brian first rocks up and he's just like, oh, wow, John, to Brian. He definitely calls someone else John in this episode. It is definitely his name to call everyone. Ah, yeah, don't want to overuse it. But then, of course, the episode sort of wraps up with him um, paying the carol singers to sing Old Shep, doesn't he? Goes up with him and gives them, I don't know, 20 quid or whatever it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's a big old note. I think it was a 20, thinking of very old money now. It seems like so long ago. I guess it was. Uh, I didn't really have that sort of money back then. I was only a nipper. But, um, yeah, he does look genuinely, again, we saw him looking genuinely happy when he's with Darren. He looks really upset when she says no. And, again, you know, when old, um, I can't remember her name now, what's the one that um, the psycho who tries to bump him off anyway? Is it Pauline? When yeah, she Pauline. gives him the elbow, he's pretty much shrugs it off but when um heather says no you know i'm I'm getting back with vic and all this he, i mean he looks genuinely gutted doesn't he yeah he does and again it, it kind of brings back this is more of like a, a drama episode like you'd expect it to be being a christmas special to be like wall-to-wall kind of comedy but they actually went really down the drama route of it and i think the woman who plays heather does a really good job of it because she seemed genuinely obviously regretful like she's friends with Dell. she does actually like him you can tell that obviously as a character and um despite the fact that her husband Vic being a bit of a bell end um obviously she's willing to give it another go because obviously family and all that sort of stuff but I think it plays out pretty well it's just obviously you feel sorry for Dell at this point yeah yeah definitely although that ring he's got her is fucking hideous isn't it I mean she's she's a <laughs> lovely ring Dell. and maybe she thought it was but it's bloody horrible yeah and that bit where he's like, um, he gives her the ring and she's like crying. And he goes, what's wrong? Don't you like the ring? No, I like it. It's Vic. Oh, you've got a runny nose or something. She's like, no, it's Vic, my husband. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic line, isn't it? People who don't know what that means, look, look it up on the internet. I'm sure people know what Vic is. But yeah, it is quite a good one. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what I've got to say about this episode. It is, um, it is a good one again, but it's just weird that I completely forgotten it existed. And then when it started, I was like, Oh, this episode, but it's not one that really hangs around in my mind or memory as like it might just be because it is more of a drama than a comedy. But yeah, I completely forgotten this one existed until earlier on today when I put it on. Yeah, like I say, it's probably the one I've seen the least. I think maybe because technically it's not part of series two and it's not what you would call a Christmas special. So although it was aired over Christmas and it obviously was build as a Christmas special wouldn't wouldn't see it now as being a Christmas special when you think back of you know the classics as you said the feature length ones so I guess it's one that when gold run their schedule it just gets overlooked all the time because that's where I tend to watch most of these for the podcast I watch the DVD version but it tends to be on gold quite a bit in the weekends and I'll just chuck on in the background while I'm pottering about and this one just never seems to be on well this one isn't even um because I uh, it's got now tv you can go in and you can like sort of stream things from like channels like gold and stuff so you always get their versions and i flicked through today and it didn't even have this connected to series two um or as a separate episode so maybe they just don't have the maybe it's just like a forgotten episode overall so that's why i ended up grabbing the dvd in the end to watch it um but yeah it wasn't even listed on their actual um their page as such so maybe they don't even have it yeah possibly 
Um, I'll keep an eye out for it over Christmas just to see if it's on, and um, I'll keep our massive uh, view, uh, listeners, I was going to say viewership then, no one watches us, thank God, uh, <laughs> I'll keep our listeners informed if it does appear on gold over Christmas if I, um, if I happen to see it on my travels. Well, there you go. That's not a reason to tune in for the next few episodes, and I've done <laughs> So um, I think that's pretty much all I've got to say about this one, uh, JT. I don't know about yourself there. No, I think we've we pretty much wrapped it up. Like you say, it's it's not heavy on laughs, this one, but it's by no means a bad episode. It's just a different style, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but if you have seen this episode or if you're familiar with it, then by all means, let us know your thoughts and also let us know what you think of the show in general. Uh, you can do so by getting hold of us at the Hyperbaric Ghosts on Twitter, where you can also connect into our movie podcast. And also, the week that this has gone out, you will also be able to get a Christmas movie that we've done. This is the first time we've reviewed a Christmas movie, so um, we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> but as always, thank you very much to all our listeners who do tune in. And if you are new to the show, then by all means, uh, please follow us and stay up to date with what we're up to. And above all else, I hope you all have a lovely Christmas. And from Bread Roll, this is me signing off. Indeed, from JT. I couldn't really say it much better myself. Have a great Christmas, everyone. We'll have a little break now, but we will be back in the new year where we'll be starting Series 3, funnily enough. Amazing, that. Um, so, yeah, we'll be looking at that in the new year. So have a great Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll be back early 2022. That sounds quite fucking scary, bread roll. So for me, JT, just got one last thing to say. Sing, old Shep. Oh.